Doesn't want to play. What's happening? Sorry, let me let me restart here. All right, let me just. How come it's not playing? Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon. Whatever it is where you are and where you're listening right now. And thanks for joining us again. As usual, here with me is Sandy McKay. How's it going, Sandy? Hey, Rob. Doing fantastic. Doing fantastic. We got 15 degrees in like Toronto in uh, February. It's uh, house shopping season. Uh oh, that's that uh, climate change kicking in there. <laughs> it could be something like that. Yeah. Get ready for your carbon tax. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I just want to remind everybody listening to go over to breakthroughreipodcast.ca. There you can listen to all the past shows um, that we've done over the last nine years and uh, and uh, get in touch with all of our guests because we've got all of the links to hook up with them and, you know, actually have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with people that you resonated with from the show in the past and get a free gift. Yeah, you can pick up the ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estates. And uh, of course, when you get that, you not only get the little gift, they also are on our list, which we will uh, always provide you with awesome contents and, uh, and just mentions of uh, our new shows as they come out. And something else we should mention, Sandy, that we never have yet is the, uh, we've got like a network of podcasts on the website that you'll see now. So do you want to like, tell us a little bit about what people can people can now hear some of the other podcasts that we have. Great uh, segue there to that. Cause uh, we haven't mentioned that too much, but we do have a, we're building up a bit of a network of podcasts. So other related content that could help you grow in, uh, in your business or real estate endeavors. Uh, I've got uh, the sales beast podcast on there, which will help you with your uh, sales and marketing sort of efforts with some real estate twist to it. We've got the Costa Rica. What's the, what's the name, Rob? The breakthrough to Costa Rica. The breakthrough oh, to Costa Rica. Yeah. There you go. Got a little little Costa Rican flavor there now, which is uh, which is fun to learn more about what Rob's up to and how you can deal with uh, him down in Costa Rica, which is uh, I know a super uh, exciting thing for a lot of Canadians right now, and um, perhaps a couple more in the works that are coming. Well, what so, about the team building show? And the team building show, I almost forgot. Sorry. Yeah. The team building show. If you're one. if you're into if you're into uh, well, it is a realtor sort of show, so it does uh, we do go down that uh, bunny rabbit. Uh, trail a little bit but it's the bunny, so, that bunny, the bunny trail. trail i meant bunny trail, not a rabbit <laughs> the bunny trail we're going on a little it's bunny not trail. a rabbit hole it's a bunny trail a little bunny trail Got so okay. but you if you want to learn a bit more about the realtor side but it's also um it's also a great show just to learn about team building in general in any business so uh yeah, certainly right, relevant if you're building up a team of uh of experts to help you with your investing that's cool. So another reason to go over to breakthroughreipodcast.ca and, and click on some of the links and listen to the other shows that we have in the podcast network. Absolutely. That's pretty exciting. Uh, what else you got going on? What else we got going on? I'm, uh, I'm getting ready for some travel. I got a couple of those, you know, adventures coming up. I'm going to Barbados in a few weeks again. I was there last year, but I'm really interested in real estate there. I don't know why Barbados has a bit of an attraction for me or an appeal. It's kind of a Caribbean, island that actually has some business going on. Um, mm -hmm. It's not super, super laid back and just chilling out. Um, and it's interesting. My parents are there, actually. It's why I'm going there. We're going to hang out with them for, for a week. And uh, they seem to be spending some time there. So we're going to look possibly look at some real estate again, too. Um, All right. Because yeah. like, if you're going to mention that it's you know not just laid back and it is business, like we want to 
want to hear of some of the business you've done when you get back. Well, in a few shows, if you, if, if you listen to this uh, after this has been released, in a few shows, you maybe hear an update on it uh, from okay. now. So we'll see where that goes this year. It's something that could be exciting. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to move there. I don't know if I'm going to pull a Rob, uh, Rob and just get out of Canada fully, but I'm going <laughs> to uh, gonna look at some options there. We'll see. And um, I'm going to be putting together a, not a course, but I guess just like um, some Q&A for people that do want to retire out of the country. And so, you know, if anyone's interested in hearing more about that, just reach out to me, Rob at MrBreakthrough.ca. That's been something that has come up more and more, right? People wanting to learn how they can retire here in Costa Rica. So uh, more of the info on what it actually takes to relocate to the area instead of just buying investment real estate here which a lot of people are interested in doing that too. So if you're interested in that, reach out to me as well. Super cool. Um, yeah. A- anything else? No, nah, I say we get into, uh, into our guests here. We're, uh, we're looking forward to bringing them on. Let's do it. Awesome. Well, we've got Marcin Droz standing by here. And uh, Marcin, I'll give you a little quick intro and then we'll uh, bring you into the show. But we're super excited to have you here. Marcin is the managing partner of M1 Real Capital, where he and his team focus on acquiring value-add multifamily properties throughout the southeast, um, southeast of the, or not of the continent really, southeast of US, I should say. And over the last 16 years, he has helped acquire over 1,500 units across the US and established himself as a go-to in the world of capital raising and real estate acquisitions. Mm-hmm. Of course, you all know that he is, he's not just, he's not a, only in the US, he, uh, he uh, lives and spends a lot of his time here in Canada as well. And so he's coming at us today from beautiful Calgary. And uh, welcome to the show, Marcin. Sandy, thank you very much for uh, for having me on the call. Uh, Rob, I was going to ask you where, where that background was, because that doesn't look like Vancouver or Winnipeg or Toronto. So. No, I'm, uh, in, Costa Rica. Uh, I'm in Playa Potrero in Anacostia cool. province, northwest coast. Very cool. And so yeah, just a little bit warmer than Calgary. A little bit warmer, a little bit warmer than Ontario to like, I mean, 15 is okay. But I mean, again, it's like when you, when you're dealing with winter, it's like, do you, I want like, you know, a nice minus eight, something like that, where you can still mm-hmm. go outside and you can like go skiing or do something with your time. It's a little muddy. Yeah. It's a little muddy yeah. at 15. A little muddy. Right. Well, for those of you who, are, who can't see us, you're just listening. Uh, Rob's got his pool cleaner in the background here. Um, scrubbing the walls of the pool and cleaning out the tiny little specks of dust and stuff that come. So you know it, what? I do it myself too. But there's just to see all this up here. Like yeah. it's really, really windy right now. So it, it's like fills up with giant leaves all day long. It needs constant maintenance. It's kind of a Ooh. pain in the butt, actually. Yeah. 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 Poor guy. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Marston. Appreciate having you here. I'm looking forward to everything that you're going to share with us today. So uh, among yeah. other things, we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of raising capital for real estate. So sure. Um, I mean, let's start with how you got started in real estate investing. Sure. Yeah. And again, way, guys, nine years to be hosting a podcast is incredible because, you know, when when nine years ago, I'm not sure most people knew what a podcast was. So first of all, Congrats on that. Um, as far as where I got my start in real estate, I mean, like so many people, I picked up the book Rich Dad Poor Dad. Uh, it was just such an easy read, and you know, I was in school at the time, and 
I was uh, initially, I thought I'd either become a lawyer or something on the corporate path. And that was kind of the school trajectory that I was, I was looking at. And I thought to myself, you know, I could, I could buy, I could buy a property. I could rent it out. I mean, it, it sounded so easy in the book. And at the time I was living in uh, Oakville, uh, Ontario, and I bought, you guys will laugh. I bought a semi at the time for, it was $220,000. Uh, now interest rates were, you know, six, 7%. So, you know, my mortgage was still like two and a half, three grand. So I bought that property while I was still in school. And then I learned about this other important concept in real estate called negative cash flow. <laughs> so, you know, I'm 20 years old, I'm carrying $800 a month. And that was kind of, you know, trial by fire. That was my first uh, entrance into real estate. And, you know, we ended up turning that into a flip and we made a bunch of money and whatnot. But, uh, you know, there's probably only a hundred things I would have done different with that particular uh, first transaction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's pretty much the story for everybody is there's always yeah. something different you should do, but you're definitely glad that you went through and learned for the next one. Right. Hey, you took action, right? You got it, it, to. It's never it's never total smooth sailing, everything perfect in the in your first uh, you know, first time out. So the fact you took action. No, you, probably you can you can do a whole bunch of things different and, and better and whatnot, but ultimately I think the thing that I appreciated was that I just took action. What do you think is the one thing that you like not not a, we won't go through the whole list of one hundred things, but if you could pick one thing that you would change and you think would have been the most beneficial, what would that be, do you think? Well, I think for me, the flaw was that I didn't know who to have on my team. So the realtors that I had working with me at the time were just interested in making a sale. They weren't really interested in my, you know, they were telling me things, best case scenario all the way through. And me as a 19, 20 year old kid, I'm like, well, okay, they're realtors. They obviously know what they're doing. And, you know, fair enough. There's a lot of good guys out there, good gals out there that are in the profession, but uh, people I stumbled upon weren't really interested in my well-being. So the, the, the thing that I could have done that would have probably caused me less heartache is if I was, if I understood what to look for when vetting a team, that would have been a big, big thing for me. Makes sense. Okay. Good advice. Love the rich dad poor dad too. I mean, that's my story as well. A um, mm -hmm. lot, a lot of guests we have on here reference that book. If if, if you're listening and haven't yeah. read that book yet, I mean, you got to go go start with that because that's a great, great kind of just foundational kind of mindset <laughs> around business. That's your I, action I, step for this episode. Yeah, I, I got to tell you guys a quick story. So my, uh, I bought the house. I didn't tell my parents. I just went out and I bought it, and I I had money because I'd saved up and you know had a few businesses, summer jobs, things like that. And I got a call from the bank and I, I told the bank, you know, if this thing gets approved, call myself because you have to put your home number too, right? And they called the house, which of course is I was living with mom and dad. So I had an investment property before I had my own place. And the bank calls at the house and leaves a voicemail. And, you know, when you owe someone money, they call you Mr., right? Like on the credit card, it says Mr. Marcentros, right? Whereas, so the bank calls and, you know, hi, this is so-and-so from such bank. You know, this is for Mr. Droz. This is why I'll let you know your mortgage is approved. So my mom hears this voicemail and I come home from, you know, school. And I'm working jobs, school, whatever. My mom's like, there's this message here from the bank. And she plays it and she watches my reaction. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. And I just turn, tuck tail and walk out of the room. She's like, wait, what did you do? I'm like, well... You know, I, I bought a house. She's like, no, son, you rented a house. No, mom, I'm pretty sure I bought it. And then when it sunk into our head, she's like, okay, call the bank back. Tell them you made a mistake. Tell them your story. Tell them to give the house back. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> 
the bank does that, don't they? The bank totally does that, right? Yeah. 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 You're sorry. Tell me about your pants that don't fit to the store. Yeah, that was that was 17, 18 years ago, but I remember it like it was yesterday. It was 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 amazing. And then from there, how did it progress? Yeah, so from there, uh, I mean, the personal development side was was huge for me. But but in the context of real estate, I ended up working with, uh, I got recruited by a private, actually, before I got recruited by a private equity firm, I talked my way into working at a commercial real estate brokerage. I lasted there for six months, and I realized very quickly I wanted to be on the other side of the equation, not the, just, I, I didn't relate to the way it was being done from the commercial side. So I wanted to be the buyer, not the broker. And then I worked my way into uh, getting recruited by a private equity firm. And I was in my just 20, 21, 22 at the time. I packed up my stuff and I moved from Ontario to uh, uh, Alberta, Calgary, Alberta at the time. And, um, you know, one foot in front of the other showed up in the office. They threw a 300 page document at me. Here you go, kid. We're buying a 200 unit apartment building in, you know, uh, ABC, Arizona. Here are the documents. Here's this. Here's the list. We'll get the money and i'm just like <laughs> so you know again uh, drinking from a fire hose there right great great learning opportunity if nothing else right so oh, just uh, to be thrown in the fire like that sandy i'm sitting there in meetings with people that i have no business being in the room with and i'm 22 23 and i'm sitting there i've got my notepad and i'm like writing words down that i've never heard before right and i'm just like uh-huh uh-huh they're like, yeah, go get this offering document for this. Go get this. Uh, you know, we need a CIM. We need all these things. Go verify this, this, this. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I just, everybody thought I was more intelligent than I was because I didn't say anything in these meetings. I would just sit there and make notes, but I was writing words so that I could go home after. And then yeah, this was, even Google was, it was, I was using, you guys remember Ask Jeeves? Yeah. So I'd be on with Ask Jeeves and I'd be like, Jeeves, what's a CIM? Crazy. And, yeah. and, uh, and you, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You started, you did some investments in Arizona as well. Is that what, oh, is, that, yeah. is, that, is that, is that what led you to personally doing some investments there too? Well, so I worked with the PE firm for a couple of years. Then when I broke it on my own, we put, put together an equity fund and then we went back to AZ in 2011, 12, and we started buying, uh, commercial plazas. They were about half empty at the time. So we were buying medical anchored tenants. Um, we personally invested in them as well. And, uh, you know, at that time, our dollar was par or better than par. You could, you, you could, you know, if you had any sense of, you know, just anybody could buy anything in real estate as long as you had cash. And if you held on to it long enough, you'd look like a genius, right? So. Uh, sometimes uh, back in the, this would be, what, what, what years would that be? Is that 08? Uh, 11. That so I worked at the 11. firm in eight, nine. Uh, 10, I went out on my own and then 11, 12, we, we had that equity fund where we bought in Arizona still. So, you know, in hindsight, that was the beginning of the real recovery. And again, we, we sold in 13, 14, uh, you know, we, 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 we were happy with what we, we got out of it, but in hindsight, you know, who would have known that it would have gone to where it went to even pre COVID or even post COVID for that matter. Yeah, so you spent uh, you you had a really good time in there. Is that what brought you down to the U.S. originally? Was it kind of the the collapse, and then you're looking at it going like, "Wow, this is a this market's right for the taking." 
Well, I love Canada and I love Canadian real estate and there's certain ways where people can do extremely well. I was a little spoiled because when I worked at that PE firm, we were a Canadian firm investing in U.S. large multifamily deals. And those deals, as a contrast to Canada, are typically in Canada only available to institutional investors because of just the price point, price per door, the financing restrictions, the limited inventory, you typically have very big players in Canada playing at that size. Whereas in the U.S., because the market is so fragmented, like literally the largest uh, REITs in the U.S., I think they represent less than like two or three percent of the total inventory. Like it's just such a big market. So you have individuals, groups of people, accredited investors that literally are able to buy 100, 200 unit apartment buildings. And and, and that, that difference was what initially brought us down there. And what kept me down there as well, I mean, the economics are amazing. Uh, a lot of the U.S. is very pro-business. Right. You know, in, in many parts of Canada, if you find an anthill on a construction site, you got to shut the whole thing down for six months and do a study. Uh, <laughs> in the U.S., they're much more business-oriented, right? So uh, that's kind of what's, you know, we do own property across Canada as well, but the larger multifamily side, it's been, it, it's been very hard for me to find something comparable in Canada, that level, without competing with guys that have no interest in competing with here in Canada. Right. Yeah. Um, so when you like, tell us a little bit about then when you started out on your own. <laughs> well, I was in my mid twenties at the time. And Rob, to be honest with you, I probably should have just stayed put at the firm I was at because, you know, again, your early twenties, you have some success. You, you think you've got it all figured out. You get on your own and you realize that it's pretty lonely out there on your own. So all the systems, all the processes, all the, Things that you took for granted that were just there, you know, you've got an empty shell. You've got an empty box with, you know, if you're lucky, a phone line. And that transition was a huge shock for me. So uh, just being completely candid with you guys, the first six to 12 months, I struggled because anything I thought I wanted to implement on the business side and the things that I thought were important, I couldn't actually implement because I didn't have the core elements of a basic business. That's why when I broke out on my own, it took me almost a year just to get structured in the way where I could create the fund because I didn't have voicemails. I didn't have email, like all the servers, the, the leases, the office space, the furniture, the, you know, all the little policies and procedures. I, and that was, uh, that was a very humbling experience uh, to be completely honest. That, that, that was the first piece before I could even operate the business. I, I just had to actually figure out how to run a business, which was a different world for me. It sounds like you needed to find like the younger you version where that, that person just sits in the room and nods and then runs out and figures everything out on their own. <laughs> right? Like well, that would be it, the best first employee, I think. You know, uh, the, the leader, the leadership, if I'm being completely candid with you guys, my leadership skills had to improve drastically as well because it wasn't no longer about me being able to execute the vision. It was about me bringing people around and then getting a collective uh, perspective on how to do things on things that I know nothing about as an entrepreneur. Like, you know, a CEO of a publicly traded company, a massive company, at any given time, he has less than 10 or 20% of the information he or she needs to make a decision. Yet they have to make decisions all the time. So so how do you do that, right? You, you figure out how to trust and delegate and 
and, and, and stick to get out, stay out of the weeds and stick to the vision of the business. And again, in my mid twenties, uh, there was, I thought that I had to be the guy in the trenches in, at the front of the line, pushing everything. And I thought that naturally everybody would follow, but that's, you know, it didn't work for me. Yeah. As, as, as it should. And I think, you know, when you are in the position that you were in to be, to be able to, it's, it's like you said, you know, when your first uh, purchase, you didn't have the team, the right team. And like, so mm -hmm. obviously when you're starting out on your own, it's all about finding that those people that you need around you. Right. In order to help you grow. Yeah. They're not there to just do the job. They're there to actually have ideas that are going to help your business grow too. So, um, so would you say that was the biggest challenge when you started on your own or what do you think? Was <laughs> every week, Rob, there was a biggest challenge. Okay. <laughs> every, every week there was a new biggest challenge, a new hurdle, a new, you know, like, cause when you guys know this, when you're, when you're running a business, you have to be proficient in so many different things. You have to understand operations. You have to know how to read financial statements. You have to understand uh, governance, structure, banking, all these different things. So me, every single time that I ran up against a wall, it was because I didn't understand a certain component of it. So, you know, for the longest time, how many entrepreneurs look at their business from a cash basis? They don't look at accrual accounting. So that was so. So how do you there's there a moment in my business where it's like you're bringing in seven figures and yet no matter how much money we make, we're still spending more. How is that possible? Well, it's because I didn't understand the concept of, you know, cost of goods, like how much it costs to generate a customer to do a fulfillment to get the outcome you want. So there was, uh, yeah, Rob, we could probably do a, a 10 hour podcast where all three of us could talk about lessons because I, every week was a lesson of a lifetime, it, it felt like. And that first two, three years being on my own um, was, 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 I mean, it, like anything else, you're out on your own, it's challenging. It's like you're learning a new, a new, new skill, a new business. And I think the theme behind it all, if, if I can tie it back, though, is just knowing how to assemble the team, the right team. Right. And understanding and, and where so, everyone fits. And let's just for everybody listening, let's understand, like, what was it that your company was doing when you first started? What was the goal? So, so when I first broke out on my own, uh, what we did is I stuck, when, when I left the PE firm, I stuck to smaller multifamily projects uh, throughout Canada because at the time I was still in my mid-20s, so I didn't have the confidence to go after the big stuff. So we did smaller multifamily projects. When we did that, uh, we, we did well, but the challenge was that uh, I allowed myself to get distracted. So I have this poster here that says, focus, follow one course until successful, because what I had done at the time is, you know, we started making money, things were working, we we're buying these small apartment buildings. Then I started looking at, okay, well, look at all these fees we're paying to mortgage brokers. Look at all these fees we're paying to property managers. And rather than seeing the value in that, I started thinking, well, what if we run a mortgage brokerage? So we got a mortgage brokerage. What if we run a property management firm? A property management firm. Then we co-branded everything. And then these things became time and money sucks from the core business of what we actually did. And I would have been much better off if I continued to pay the variable, because these, these were variable expenses when I paid the fees, but when I brought it in house, it became a fixed cost. So that, that, that payment had to go out every month. And, you know, my payroll went from 
five figures to probably close to six figures. And it was every, and all of a sudden I'm running businesses I really don't want to be running. And saying it now seems so obvious, but at the time it felt like, you know, and, and I'll be, I'll be candid. There was some ego in it because you could say, oh yeah, we're expanding, we're growing, our brand is this, and now we're this. And, you know, look at, look, look how successful we are. Right. Cause again, you're in your twenties, you think that that's, that's the way it looks. And, um, that was, uh, it was, it wasn't until I really learned how to read financial statements when I, I hired a competent CFO to sit me down and look and show me categorically where the money was going that we started to have a really sober discussion and start to cut back and trim. And, but again, by the time it was all unwound, that was a seven figure mistake. Like it, it cost me seven figures. Cause you guys know, like when you build it up, you don't just turn it off the next day. Like it, it has to, there's things you got to settle you got to close transitions, software, people, processes like it's, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad I went through the process, but what it showed me was that I really needed to go back to school, so to speak. So then what I did is I, I doubled down on, on, on that core business. And then I started taking that core skill set of raising capital. And I found entrepreneurs that had been in business for 20, 30, 40 years and said, hey, do you want to grow your business? Yes. Okay, great. Teach me about your business and I'll help you build your balance sheet, i.e. raise capital for your business. I'll learn your business. I'll help you grow it. And I get to learn... I got like an MBA on steroids in different asset classes, so to speak. So you would help them. You would help them raise money. Uh, was the Correct. primary primary thing there? Cool. And that was across you know, uh, I, like multiple different, not just real estate related. Yeah, it was. I mean, the skill set of raising capital is something that sh there, there's really no boundaries. Whether you're running a consumer financing business, uh, car leasing business, automotive, whatever, whatever capital intensive business you're running, it requires capital. And especially in Canada, the banking channels are so tight around lending for operating businesses that if you can bring private debt, private capital, private equity to an operator in a, in a obviously there's legalities and structure and you got to make sure you do things legally in the right way with lawyers. But if you can help them solve that problem, put an extra million or $10 million or, or plus into their business, you're yeah you're incredibly valuable yeah uh, i i dare to say that you probably saved people a lot of money just with that story you know a lot of people well, listening because there's a lot of I shiny object syndrome out there there, that's for there sure. definitely oh. is yeah. and i think that you know you're right like i learned maybe like a little bit more quickly that I didn't want to be doing that kind of stuff, but started out, you yeah. know, doing the same thing. It's like, okay, property management company. Yeah. Let's, let's fire that up and, and all that kind of thing too. And then, you know, I know it's not necessarily about having the passion for it, but it might be more about finding the person that has the passion for it, but I had no passion for that side of it. So I right. didn't even want to find that person. So, you know, um, but yeah, like, I, I, I really like just felt your pain while that, while you were telling us all that. <laughs> You're like, I'm reliving it here. Look, if, if, so. if people can save some gray hairs by not, again, that's why I have the big poster over here because I get pitched stuff all the time and I, I mean, we all do, right? As soon as, you know, you want something done, give it to the busiest person, you know, and once you start to have success in your business, 
people will come out of the weeds and be like, hey, what about this? What about these cottages? What about this industrial park? What about these mobile home parks? What about this? What about that? And, then, and if you don't have a clear, and this ties right into capital raising, when you don't have a clear niche around how you conduct your business and your core beliefs, then you will get pulled into a hundred different things. Once you're crystal clear on what your game is, it's really easy to say, hey, sounds great. It's just not my game. There's so many things that sound great. That's the, that's the challenge of, a, a, you know, that entrepreneurial kind of spirit inside of everyone. Right. And you, you have a bit yeah. of success and, and you get confident and then the opportunities start to come and you're like, yeah, I can do that. Why not? Let's do that. Let's do that. <clears throat> we don't have too much capacity to, to do all the, like very limited capacity to do all that, at least to do it all with you know, being successful again. And, and, and you need a bit of success to be, have that continued uh, passion about, whatever you're involved in. Mm -hmm. um, so money raising is what you came to, to really focus on. That was the, that was the focus or, or, or did that yeah, come so, a bit later? So I mean, there's there, and you guys know this, there's three parts to the real estate game. There's the capital, there's the asset management, and then there's acquisitions. Those are, there's hundreds of jobs and categories, but ultimately it's you get the money, you got the deal and then you got to manage the whole thing, whether it's asset management or property management, you got to, you got to be a steward of the capital. You got to get the capital and you got to get a place to put it. Those are the three parts of the transaction. So for, for, for me, and I advocate this to anybody who's looking at the business is pick one of the three that you will truly dig in on and become competent on know what your domain is. It's, it's important to know all three and be aware of all three, but, you know, being a master of all three, there we all have 24 hours in a day, and it, it just it it's it's not really um, a good use of your time to kind of always be scattered between the three because you, you won't scale. You'll you'll have a scenario like what I described to you guys earlier, where I felt like I was pushing the whole thing all the time, and and that didn't work. Um, so yeah, no, the the capital raising and deal making for me is 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 the biggest piece, and uh, in my opinion, I, I took that one on. And I, I committed to that part of the equation because to me, I always saw that as being for most people, the hardest thing. So, you know, the people that get rewarded the most in life, whether it's financially or whatever your, whatever your reward system is, are typically the ones who take on the hardest task. And typically in the real estate game, the capital raising and deal structuring is the hardest. So, you know, <laughs> I'm like, yep, yeah, let's do that. Let's figure that one out. I solve the biggest problems. You get, you know, you get, you get the biggest paychecks, uh, Correct. because you're adding the most value. Yeah. Uh, what type of systems do you use in your business currently or, or how have those evolved over the years to, uh, to help with, with, with anything or, you know, maybe primarily the, the fundraising side? Well, in, so first of all, in the context of capital raising, I just want to, state the obvious capital raising whether you're us or canada is a regulated activity so before you guys raise capital make sure you have a lawyer and not just a commercial lawyer or a real estate lawyer you actually need a securities lawyer that's what they're called they're securities uh you know and that's a really important distinction because if you're going to start raising money or pooling funds you're entering a totally different world and it's just really important that you're aware of it so step one is just learn the rules of the game whether you're US or Canada, there's different rules, there's different people you're allowed to take money from, different people you're not allowed to take money from, et cetera, et cetera. So get clear on that. As far as the systems themselves, uh, yeah, I mean, look, the, the starting point for, for real estate investors is 
you need to really start to establish and hone in on your niche. So you can build, because I can sit here and be like, yeah, I get a newsletter, you know, start posting on social media, do events, do presentations, do things like this. But the biggest question people always say, well, what am I going to talk about? I don't have a deal right now, or I don't have enough experience, or you know, are people going to take me seriously? How do I package this thing? Uh, I don't have a, you know, whatever the limiting beliefs are, right? So the, the first piece for most people is to get really clear on your niche. So, you know, what is your personal story? Why do you do what you do? We've got a whole list of these things on, on, our, on our websites and whatnot, but you got to get very clear on why you do what you do, the types of assets you're looking at, why you're looking at them, and get very, get very clear on, uh, you know, how that is potentially a benefit to somebody else. And, and there's, there's a lot more to this. But once you get some of those core ideas down, doing things like having a, a consistent newsletter, putting out social media, it, it gets, it, everything comes into focus. That's why I say don't jump from uh, apartment buildings to vacation homes to mobile home parks to Airbnbs because think about it yourself, Sandy. If you saw somebody on your social media who every month has a, you know, a different thing that they're doing, and then, you know, one month it's X, next, next month it's this business opportunity, next month it's this networking thing, next month it's this, next month it's that. You know, if they call you at some point during those posts and say, hey, I got this thing I'm working on, you're going to go, uh-huh, uh-huh, so that's the thing now. <laughs> Your credibility is down here, right? So the first thing that I tell people to do is, yes, systems and processes are important, but you build those upon a stable foundation of what you stand for and, and how you approach the business because then it's consistent. People see you consistently talking about Costa Rica. Rob's down there. He practices what he preaches. You know, he's down there. He's doing his thing. He's, he's you know, he's not Costa Rica one month and he's going to Croatia the next month and then he's in, you know, whatever, Australia. And then he's not just trying to sell you stuff in every different part of the world. He's got a consistent lifestyle that 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 embodies you know what his beliefs are and you that, know that's a really even, important place to start i would even narrow that down even just a little bit more as far as like being a realtor goes and and um there's there's only like two markets that we focus on in ontario right just because we want to be the experts and people will ask me well, what about the next town over i'll be like you know you better go find somebody who who works in that town because I'll steer you wrong. I that's not my focus, and I don't know the answers to your questions. I want you yeah. to come back to me and work with me again, right? So if I if I steer you wrong, then you're not going to do that. But if you're interested in that town, go find somebody else because I'm not going to pretend that I know about it. You know, and I think that 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 is valuable as well right like you said just drill down have that niche so you can answer every question about um whatever it is the topic is mm -hmm. and uh and do it with knowledge right and not just i don't know pulling the like blowing smoke yeah as, well as you, you think said. you think about somebody forget about the, the the gate the game we're all in but you think about somebody who has for example they're an engineer and let's just say they're a structural engineer and they focus on bridges as soon as you step into that domain and you start talking about structural integrity and bridges and weight distribution and all that stuff and they are one million percent confident in what they're saying because that's their game that 
that that sliver is their competence. I, I have another poster here, competence creates confidence. And once you have the competence in a very specific discipline, whether you guys define it as specific market, specific asset class, maybe a combination of both, your investors, part of raising capital is they need to sense your confidence in what you're saying. And the meekest person will become the most confident person in the room if they're speaking about something that they are unequivocally qualified to speak about. And for some people, you need that level of competence to feel confident. Other people seem to be able to BS their way through it, but the vast majority of us need to have the competence in what we're doing. And I'm, I'm the same way. I need to know my market, my asset class, my financing. I need to know those things because to me that demonstrates uh, that, that that's just how I, 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 I sell through my passion or my, uh, once I validated something to myself, I don't even feel like it's sales. I feel like I'm doing you a favor, literally. Like, like it's, exactly. it's, not, it, it's you're just, here, here's where I'm going. Do you want to talk in a polite it, way? But that's the well, meaning. Very, that's very, very well said. Because a lot of people, especially when you're talking about raising money, they, yeah. they look at it as like, you know, can I please have some, you know, <laughs> right? Like that, that would be initially how people yeah. would think about something like this, right? But what you have to be able to do is say, mm -hmm. yeah, this is an opportunity. Here's why it's an opportunity. Here's how much money you'll make. And then oftentimes some people say, well, why don't I just do it myself? And, you know, the answer would be go ahead. But here's what we are doing. Here's what you can realize if you join us. Yeah, exactly. Do you want to come? And and that yeah, I is mean, a hurdle that a lot of people need to get over mentally. Well, and and it, it's so funny because it, it really is a mindset piece. So one of the biggest things we teach with with M1, we have M1 Real Capital where we, you know, do the thing that we're talking about, and then M1 Real Training where we, we do some training and mentorship. And the big thing that we do through the training is a lot of it is mindset based because. The, the question most people need to ask themselves from the get-go is who do you need to become to be able to ask for a million-dollar check? Who do you need to be able to become to write on a $5 million offer or $10 million offer? And and like you guys are saying, that is all very much a mindset piece. 100%. <clears throat> okay. Um, uh, we don't have much time here because you are on another show just after here talking on the multifamily conference is that right yeah the for, for those of you who are uh looking to come to the multifamily conference that'll be in may uh 2023 here end of may uh we got uh grant cardone alex rodriguez he played for the yankees people are like why is he ah uh, i knew we were gonna well, lose folks <laughs> we'll be right back yeah i saw it freeze and i thought am i gonna go into the next thing or just uh to see what happens that's okay. We'll hit pause here for a minute, or we'll, or we'll just keep talking through it here, and let's 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 uh, let's circle back with Marcin there in a sec, um, and and well, hear about hear about the multifamily conference. I don't know; those are those seem like okay names. Grant Cardone and Alex Rodriguez sounds kind of <laughs> yeah, two people you might want to hear something from. Alex awesome. Rodriguez is uh, if people don't know who he is, I mean he's a Hall of Famer baseball player, one of the best ever. He also owns like I think already owns about twenty five thousand. Uh, units across the U.S., maybe even more. Um, big, big real estate investor. 
Yeah. Um, and and scaled it quite substantially too. So he's an interesting guy to go uh, to learn about if you're unaware of uh, what he's done outside of baseball. Oh, there we go. Didn't take too Sorry, long. guys, it kicked it kicked me out. All good. No problem. We did, we were just uh, expanding a little bit about uh, Sandy's knowledge of a Rod. Mm -hmm. um, just uh, saying, well, whatever. Those are these are guys that you want to hear from, right? So tell us a little more about the uh, the multifamily conference. So, and, and this really ties into the whole mindset piece. A big thing for me is I always want to be in a room where I feel like I'm playing in the kid's sandbox. And, you know, I, I always go out of my way to be part of events, uh, speaking circuits, where I'm, I'm you know, you always want to be on the shoulders of, of, of giants. So for me, the, uh, the multifamily conference is going to be a tremendous opportunity because, you know, we've bought and sold a lot of apartment buildings and, you know, I've raised well into nine figures. But I'm looking at these guys that are in what I call the three comma club. You know, these are in the billions. Right. So for myself, I look at that. And my next question to myself is, who do I need to become to be operating at that level as opposed to because, you know, where I'm at today, I'll write an offer on a 10, 20 million dollar acquisition and I'll go to sleep. I'm fine. I'm, we're good. I got, we, we got to figure it out. Uh, I write an offer on a hundred million dollar building. I'm up for three days <laughs> because it's just the development process. Right. And I recognize that. And I always, like I say, is I always try to surround myself with those types of people. So uh, I'm excited for the multifamily conference. I'm going to speak there. I'm really excited to talk about capital raising and mindset. Uh, but yeah, it, you know, my big thing is when it's time to be in the green room, I want to talk to A-Rod. I want to talk to Greg Cardone. I, you know, in the backstage, like these are the conversations that are exciting to, to myself because that's that's the next level. So, you know, if you're sitting there and you're like, oh, that's easy. You know, you've done all these things. Okay, cool. Pick a target that is your next step because it's you versus you. You know, you're, it's not you versus Rob or you versus Sandy. It's where you're at. What is that next step for you? Because if you start trying to compare yourself to other people in that way, you don't know their story. You don't know what they've been. You don't know what they've given up. You don't know what they've risked. You just don't know. You just see the outcome. Right. Yeah, that's a tough one for people. There's a lot, lots, of, lots of that going on, as we know. Um, and that's a never ending. You can never, you'll, like, you're never the top of that. That, that. There's always someone doing something bigger, better, you know, well, and, I, I would use the word different though, too, right? Like, because it's yeah. not always about who's doing bigger and better. You know, you might, you might be better off just being different. And, you know, you hear somebody and you go, wow, like, I mean, one of the big things and, and one of the big tags that we've used on this show before, because, you know, it, it helps people at least listen and then they'll get the real knowledge. But, you know, how to acquire uh, you know, 30 doors in 30 days or whatever right like mm -hmm. these are the taglines for the show and the person that we're talking to maybe did that but you might uh listen to their story and the outcome of it might be yeah um you know here's how you do it but it might not be the best idea right like yeah. you, you know because we were acquiring bad assets at the time and i didn't know and here's the lessons i learned so you know there is a lot more to it I think, and these guys over at this conference are going to help you like understand all the ins and outs of it uh, to a level where, you know, you, you're hopefully not making the mistakes that they did and like Marcin did. So when is that again? I believe it's May 20. It's the weekend, last weekend of May. I think I don't have the calendar, but I think it's May 28th, 29th. 
Um, also, if they use the Marcin promo code, they get uh, preferred pricing, I think, as well. So M-A-R-C-I-N. Um, that's available. And to your point, Rob, I mean, look, for the same reason that people would listen to your podcast and is the same reason that you would take the time to maybe attend an event and surround yourself with people that have made the mistakes. I mean, I always, I say it this way, I pay for speed. So whether it's, uh, I pay for speed and I pay for access. So if I go to, because I'll go to other people's events too when I'm not speaking and I always buy the VIP ticket and I always want to sit at the front of the room. Two reasons. One is I can actually hear the speaker. And two, I want to be, in the environment where other people also value themselves to a level where they're willing to spend some money on their education. So it doesn't matter if I'm advocating whoever that speaker is or whatever it is, I'll always buy the VIP ticket because in a room of a thousand people, I don't have time to talk to a thousand people. So I want to talk to the people that are the most committed and those 50 people that spend five times or 10 times as much to be in that room. Those are the people I want to talk to because they're committed. Mm -hmm. Good point. Yeah, I love that. Love that. Pay for speed. Definitely. In, in almost every, you know, all areas of life, you could apply that. I tell my lawyer, I say, listen, how long this is going to take? They're like, they, they didn't tell me. They tell me the number. They tell me 10 grand. I go, so 10 grand gets me this tomorrow. They're like, yeah. I'm like, great. It's 10 grand. Because they understand that I, I don't care. When I ask the question, how long? The question, in, they know me well enough to know how long to get it tomorrow, how much to get it tomorrow. Right, right. No, I like that. It's interesting. Wanna... I've worked with, I've worked with contractors who get like, so I'm used to getting this job done in a week. You know, right. a different contractor does it in three days, and it looks fantastic. And they charge a little bit more. And you know, at first, you kind of go, well, wait a minute, it didn't take you very long. Why are you charging me this much? It's like, well, the job's finished and fast, you know, this is why. And you start to appreciate that kind of thing, right? I think. Um, okay. hundred <laughs> percent. I do. Uh, how, how can people get in touch with you? So the easiest way for people to get in touch is go to the website, marsandrose.com. Hopefully we can get that in your show notes. It's just my first last name.com. And there's tons of free resources if people are looking to either A, get into multifamily, we've got uh, materials there for them, or B, if they're already in real estate, whatever asset class they're in, and they're trying to figure out how to scale or raise capital, uh, we've got some courses, we've got some free materials. We do a five-day capital challenge, uh, you know, a few times a year, which is a one-hour Zoom per day for five days, and it's, it's meant to help you find five new investors in five days. So that, that's been attended by thousands of people since we started it last year. And it's it's gone over really well. So uh, it just depends on what people are looking for. But yeah, the website's a great place to start. Five investors in five yeah. days, that's attractive. I think- I uh, like that. I, I like that, yeah, that's great. And now, <laughs> so that, that would be the thing too. If I was doing that, I'd be like, okay, well, I got my one for the day. I'm, I don't think I'll give up. I think I, I better keep going. You know, it's, only, <laughs> it's only 2.30 in the afternoon. I, let's get working on the next one. So hopefully yeah. it's five, five investors ends up being in three days or two days. Um, we, awesome. had, uh, we had somebody come to the five-day challenge uh, last quarter and they, uh, they found $1.2 million over the five-day challenge. Nice. Amazing. I think the key to that is uh, having something that requires that type of capital. Yeah, anyway. and having and having the right headspace for it. Right. Think about the kind of person you have to become to be comfortable asking for that kind of money for a project. 
your brain, your, your mentality shifts. And with that shift is the requirement for additional competence, the people, this, this, you're not going to solve the same problem with the way you thought about it, you know, before as you are today. Competence and confidence, I believe were the the two that you said in order to to get there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Big lesson today. Don't wish it was easier. Wish you were better. That That's right. Take away. There you go. I like that. All right. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on. I know you've, you've got something else to be on in like two minutes here. So we're going to wrap up. And uh, yeah, like you said, everything is going to be in the show notes. So anyone that wants to reach out to Marcin can find all of his uh, contact information there. And we really appreciate your time. And thanks for joining us. Rob, Sandy, thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, of course, I'd love to keep talking to you guys. You guys are on the right track here. So hope to talk to you guys again. Well, we will. We'll definitely hook up in the future. Sandy, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, Best way they can find me on any social media channels. Um, Usually if they uh, go find me on Instagram or LinkedIn or kind of of the main ones, um, it's Sandy McKay at at, uh, on Instagram there or uh, something on LinkedIn. I don't know (laughs) my name on LinkedIn, I guess. That's the easiest way. This is what you get when you ask Sandy about his events too, Marcin, just so you know. He's like, yeah, I think we've got some kind of event coming up. Maybe follow me. Uh, at, it's Sandy McKay. You'll you'll see everything I'm doing, and you'll, you can reach me out. Uh, reach out to me that way too in direct message. Okay, and people can reach me at Rob at MrBreakthrough.ca. Thanks for joining us, guys. See you next time.